Hello and welcome to Back of the Net and Beyond. My name's Danny Thomas. Today I'm going to be speaking to Danny Slatter, who's a former teammate of mine um, and he used to play for Chelsea Football Club as well. How's it going, Slatter? You okay? Not too bad, Danny. Long time now here, mate. Hope you well. Uh, yeah, yeah, all good, all good. Uh, yeah, we had a little kind of brief chat off air. And obviously you mentioned kind of we haven't seen each other for years. And again, you're one of the little short boys that I've kind of spoke to. Um, well, I've spoke to a couple... Uh, Kevin Nicholson and obviously uh, Lee Canavan as well. Yeah, Yeah, Reese as well. We uh, we we obviously all congregated all those years ago. It seems like I don't know. In some ways, it seems like ages ago, but in some ways, like it, it doesn't. Because obviously, you're forty now. I'm going to be forty soon as well. So it's just ridiculous how time flies. Exactly, mate. It's just obviously back in those days. Obviously. Possibly the best two years of my life been at Liddershaw. It's just such a crack, just a good laugh. Um, met 16 great lads. Um, and obviously, just the, the time, obviously, being in football all our lives, that's, that's, that's all I've ever known, really. Um, and obviously, just 40 now, it's just scary where, where, where all the time's gone. Um, and we haven't really had a good catch up between the, the 16 of us, which is, yeah. which is quite poor, really. But there we go. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, that will change after lockdown. Yeah, because before um, obviously COVID and that, we were all on WhatsApp. I don't know, even know. I don't know how that even came about. We all did well to be fair. Next again, that's crazy. Um, and yeah. then like we all we're all talking about kind of a reunion, and then we got to that stage where it's kind of okay, where are we gonna go? And then obviously COVID hit. Mm. So just obviously a bit gutted about that because it would have been good to catch up. But obviously we'll oh, have yeah, to do massive. that. We'll have to do that. Um, maybe end of the year, next year, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. You know what I mean, um, obviously, like I said, we haven't spoken ages. So, like, how's, how's life for you? What, what are you up to uh, at the moment? Um, well, at the moment, mate, I'm currently working. Uh, the first lockdown in March, um, I was furloughed from my, um, from my boss, obviously. I'm now an electrician. Um, so, uh, I've got a trade under my belt um, at last. Um, and, yeah, so th this time around, I'm currently working. Um, and it's, yeah it's better than not working because um, obviously the first lockdown got a little girl and obviously my fiance being stuck uh, around each other. You do need your own space. You do need your own time. Um, um, great being with them, but in the, the day you do need your own sort of privacy. So this time around, it's a little bit easier. Um, and yeah, just, just, just busy working, Dan. Nice, mate. I'm glad to hear that. Obviously you've got a trade in the about, I mean, again, we spoke up there briefly and to have a trade, I, I think it's massive. And again, uh, you can kind of take that where you want, really. Uh, you're never going to lose that uh, going forward. So, um, obviously, congrats for that. Um, in terms of your retirement then, so so when did you retire? What age? Um, well, I haven't officially retired yet, um, but, <laughs> my, uh, but, my, but my right knee, the one I've had all the troubles with, the ACL, that's, that's starting to play up now. Mm. Um, I've been told I've got bad arthritis in there already, but... Um, I think I last played my last game was about three years ago. Um, so, yeah, about 37, I would say, my last proper game. Mm. But um, I'm currently a manager um, where, where I actually started my football journey, really. Uh, my local sort of sun Sunday league team, Stamway Rovers. Nice. Um, and I'm currently first team manager of them now. Okay. So, um, that's, uh, I'm, st I'm, I'm still involved in the football scene. So, um, I've got my level two coaching badge, which is the basic uh, for us, really. Um, I've got expectations of for myself that I do want to get the A for B, but um, having just finished this electrician's course, I've all focused on that. So I've got my main income coming in. And then um, hopefully when obviously lockdown, all this COVID sorted itself out, I am going to look into getting the, the next, the next coaching badge for the next chapter in the, um, in the football journey, really sort of, sort of being a manager. Um, something, yeah, something mate, that didn't really, it didn't really appeal to me. I was still, I was a player coach about five years ago at Stanway. Mm. Um, and then um, I went up to assistant manager. And all of a sudden, I had a year out from it because we mutually agreed to leave the, the management staff. And then um, for some reason, I got a, a phone call a couple of years later saying, do you want to come back in and apply for the job? Mm. So I went for it. Um, I didn't get it because uh, a more experienced bloke from the non-league scene around this area got it. Um, mm. But he actually asked me to be his number two. Um, nice. So I did, and then um, he got the tic-tac about sort of eight months later. And then um, 
I stepped in and sort of had the job permanently. It's, it's, it's been like that, that since. So um, it's just unfortunate. Last season was null and void because of COVID, and I'm pretty sure this season's going to go down the same route, really. Mm. Yeah, it's tough, especially kind of in those low leagues where you haven't necessarily got the infrastructure and kind of the facilities as well. So if anything, kind of those at that level, it's kind of those ones that suffer first and then it kind of filters up, if that makes sense. So hopefully it doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it yeah. can be, I'm assuming it's kind of really frustrating, not only from kind of your perspective being kind of uh, in management, but from the players' point of view and also the fans as well, because a lot of the local fans, that's kind of what they look forward to maybe on a Saturday and a Tuesday. So again, it's, it's yeah, frustrating. Yeah, totally agree, mate, because obviously... Um, is, is, there's a lot being talked about with the mental health, and um, currently a few, few of my boys, a few of my players have um, suffered with it really. Because end of the day, they go to work, they come home, and they 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 want to play football. They they, they want to get out of the house. They they want to do something to release their sort of emotions. Yeah. So um, coming come to football is ideal for them. So um, having been locked down previously and locked down again, they just sort of a few of them were struggling. So uh, me and my assistant sort of reached out and said if. They need to chat. We're, 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 well, we're at the other end of a phone call. Mm. Um, but it's, it's just a shame, mate, because people don't realise that, that, well, I, I do now, but the lower you go, they, they're, they're so reliant on sort of like, even like the bar, the bar was shut, so there's no income for, for the club yeah. itself. But the club has still got to pay the outgoings of electric and gas and whatever, and people that work there on, on, a, on a full-time basis. So um, it comes to a point where... Last month, obviously we got locked down again, but um, the players were playing for free. They do get a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, I see it's just a bit of beer money or treating your missus to a takeaway on a on a weekend money sort of thing. <laughs> nothing, oh. nothing life changing like um, yeah. a few of, a few of the players uh, we know. But um, yeah. yeah, so it's it's been really difficult for the club and difficult for the non-league scene really. Mm, it's, it's a tough one, and I, I think. I mean, for everyone, really. I mean, I've heard people say, yeah, like everyone's in the same boat and all that, but you're not because people have got different circumstances. We're all in the same kind of storm, essentially, but we're not in the same boat. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, all you can do is kind of stay positive. It must be tough for the players. Like you said, I, I mean, I've, I've played for free. A lot of people from outside of the game and kind of the higher echelons of football, they kind of say... You've probably heard many times before, like I would play for free and blah blah blah, and that that's all well and good when you've either got a lot of money in the bank or you're earning a lot of money or whatever. But yeah, I've yeah. actually played for free before, um, and it's it's not nice. And I was playing at a decent level when I was playing for free, and it was frustrating because obviously you're playing, you're doing well in the team, and everyone else is getting paid and you're not. But I was willing to take exactly. that sacrifice at that point. So I can only imagine what those players are going through. It, it is tough. Yeah. They've got bills to pay and stuff like that. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in terms of your retirement then, so you retired around kind of 37, you're not officially retired yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, how, how did you find the transition? How, what was your process behind it? Um, I think officially, well, I haven't officially retired, but obviously when um, I, I, was, I sort of come out of the pro game and obviously... I lost my way a bit and I bounced back again by getting into a full-time football at Gravesend and North Fleet, which is now Ebbsfleet in the conference. Um, and then from then, I had five good seasons there um, and I filtered down for the leagues again. Mm. Um, and then it only came to me when I was travelling, it was to um, Averley. So that's, that's not too far, it's about an hour's journey away from where I am in Colchester. Mm. Um, and I, I just... I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm travelling, I was getting okay money, um, but I just, I was travelling all, all the way there, and I was thinking, this ain't for me no more. Um, I just, I just don't fancy keep travelling away now, because I've been through my now, so like, travelling to Ebbsfleet, Gravesend was an hour and a half each day, um, going to Welling and uh, places like that. Um, mm. It's come to a point uh, where I just thought, I'd, I was about 30, I think then, 31, and um I just, I just didn't fancy doing it. I was just fed up with it. I was getting home, leaving the house early, coming yeah. home late, and then it's just like my Saturday's gone, the weekend's gone. Um, and then I had a phone call from um, a friend of mine who was manager at Stanwood Rovers at the time, um, and he said, fancy just coming back and playing there. Mm. Stones throw away from, from, from where I lived in Colchester. And um, it, to me, it, it was a no-brainer. So I, I went on that journey. And um, I think, yeah, from about 30, I just thought, well, I can sort of see me now settled here and sort of, 
hate to use it, but fizzling out really. Um, yeah. So just 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 see my time out there. Not a bad level, good level, some good players there, um, and and just and just enjoy it local as well. So um, and that's what I've done and ended up being a manager there now. So. Oh, nice. And then, so in terms of that, so was it whilst you were like playing for that team there that you chose to kind of take up uh, being an electrician, or how did that pan out? Um, again, I was I was doing bits and pieces in between. Um, before then, when I was living up London, when that's why, hence I was at Avery. Um, mm. Broke up with a girlfriend, so I had to move back to Colchester. Um, <laughs> so in that meantime, when I was living up London, um, I, I, I went on a course and become a personal trainer. Mm. So, um, but again, I don't know how you feel about it, but when when you come out of football, you sort of I still don't know what I really want to do. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. it's strange because it's it's been in our system for well since yay high. Do you know what I mean? So um, yeah. it's all I've ever known. Like 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 I said at the start, but. Um, yeah, so I become a personal trainer, and then I brought that back to, down to Colchester. Um, but it wasn't the sort of the clientele that there was that was much better up in London. So yeah, that sort of fizzled out. Um, I still did bits on the side, but it wasn't sort of going to pay the bills on a regular basis. Um, mm. But um, and then I sort of not not scratching around. I had work, but I was doing bits and pieces really. Mm. Um, and then electrical. But look there's an opportunity if you really want to do it is to go and do a course in it and come an apprentice and start from the bottom, work your way up. Um, and again, sort of at, at that time, needed the money. I needed sort of um, a solid sort of job really yeah. and nail it down. I thought, well, end of the day, as, as we said, uh, whilst, whilst we was speaking before this, the trade's a trade and you're going to have that till the day you die basically. And um, you always, always have work. Um, so it was a no brainer and I went it, went on the course. Um, Stuck around 17, 18 year old kids, and I was a 30, 33, 34 year old man. Yeah. Um, quite, quite, quite difficult, but to be fair, mixed in well, and um, finally come come away with it about a year, a year or two years ago with um, qualification. So, um, yeah, all good that's, now. That's massive, mate. And again, like you said, you, you've got that for life now. And I suppose it was kind of all, I wouldn't say all down to your friend reaching out, but it's good that obviously he's done that for you. Um, and again, you've obviously capitalised on it. Um, how did you find, like, so the transition yeah. again? So you're obviously used to playing football and everything, and then to come away from that and you're completely doing something which is in a different field now. So, how did you find that process? You mentioned there you had to kind of interact with 16, 17 year olds who are kind of fresh out of school. They're obviously looking at kind of pursuing a career in that kind of industry or maybe starting off there and moving on to other things. So, how did you find that? Because obviously, um, some people would find it really difficult. And again, I don't know how you found it just by naturally being kind of more than likely, well, you probably double their age really. Um, yeah. kind of <laughs> A lot far ahead uh, or further ahead in terms of like life skills and things like that. So that side of it would have been difficult from a mental perspective, but then also to kind of think, well, like you're still not sure whether it's for you or not. Um, so that obviously you've got to couple that together with it as well. So how did that make you feel and kind of what were your thoughts? Yes, as I said, just just turn up the first day to go to college. It's it's nerve wracking. It's like it's, it's like it's like the first day of school again. It's like mm. um, it's yeah, it's it's scary because you you don't know what things are going to be like. You don't know what you've got to do on the course. You don't know how you're going to get on with people. It's yeah. there's all sorts of emotions going around. As you said, then is 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 it the right course for me? I just just wasn't sure. So um, yeah, it was just it's a strange one. But at the end of the day, I saw in the in the back of my mind, I thought, look. I've got an opportunity here. I can't really sort of. I've just got to go full throttle, really, and yeah. just put everything into it. Um, and as I said, just come away recently, to a couple of years ago, with, with, with that qualification. But um, mm. yeah, it's, it's it's not easy. And I think obviously coming out of the pro game, I I, I personally don't think there was enough help back in the day when we were footballers um, compared to what it is now. Mm. Um, but it's, if someone said that to me back when I sort of got well let go from Chelsea at 21 2001 mm. and sort of had help saying that maybe do this or go down this avenue maybe in the football department then that would have been better and I, I could be in a different scenario but yeah. that's hindsight and who, who knows but personally I think there could have been better help for well for me personally anyway I don't mm. know I, I don't know how you feel about that 
Mm, I mean, for me, I always, and again, obviously you, so when we left Lillyshaw, and we'll touch on that later on, you went to Chelsea and I went to Nottingham Forest. And by nature, you're obviously aware of the PFA um, over the years, especially when you're like an apprentice. So I was always aware that they were there. And if I needed kind of anything, any advice, I could yeah, yeah. And speak. But in terms of kind of, I don't know, academics and maybe kind of uh, thinking about retirement, it's hard when you're 16, 17, 18, especially when naturally you're trying to make it into the first team. You're trying to push past that person who's maybe above you in the reserves or whatever. And that's what you focused on. Now, that doesn't mean to say mm -hmm. that you weren't thinking about retirement or when it came to retirement, you weren't thinking about maybe having to work. It's not, that wasn't my train of thought. But at the same time, I didn't, I still feel to this day that their delivery was always a bit negative or maybe a bit, just approached in the wrong way for me like the, the court it was always there was always offering kind of courses it was never okay well if you do this then there's an opportunity for you to then pursue this afterwards it was always there was never really like an end game and when I say end game I don't mean a guaranteed job at the end I just mean uh, a clear-cut avenue that you could see well if I do this course and then I get this qualification and then maybe do this course which is another kind of arm of that industry then that allows yeah. me to go and pursue this industry when I finished playing. And I didn't see yeah. that. The way, the way I think, I think quite like uh, laterally and methodically. So if I don't see something like that, I probably won't pursue it. Um, so for me, when I saw like some of my teammates going to maybe get coaching badges, I always thought, well, okay, so your end result is to get a coaching badge, okay, but then have you got a job after it? You haven't, you've just yeah. got a coaching badge. So the amount of players, even latterly towards the end of my career, who I saw players who had coaching badges, spent all that time going to do these coaching courses, but then they get the coaching badge, certificate, whatever you want to call it, and then they don't know what they're going to do with it. Like they're not going yeah. to job interviews. It's just sitting on the mantelpiece. Now, I'm not yeah. saying this about all coaches and players that went on coaching courses, because a lot of them have gone on to be coaches. So they obviously knew what they wanted to do. But you still need to go with that mindset yeah. that, okay, well, I do want to be a coach. But at the same time, someone needs to give you that opportunity. Um, so, yeah, spot on. It's a tough one. And again, I'm not kind of, it's, I'm not here to bad mouth anyone. It's just my opinion. And I just think the delivery was just about courses. And I wasn't interested in going on any courses at that point. Um, and again, the courses weren't free. So if you're playing in the lower leagues of football towards the end of your career, or if you're an apprentice or whatever, and you're earning kind of peanuts, a lot of these courses are like a thousand pound plus. Yeah. And so they're not cheap and they're not, they're not free. So that was another kind of stumbling block as well. Stumbling so, block, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tough one. Um, again, things have improved, uh, but I still think there's room for improvement. Um, I do see like a lot of help being offered to, especially in the media, um, to, to players who are kind of household names or maybe at the higher kind of echelons of football where for people like maybe me and you who played and had a career in the lower leagues primarily, there's kind of less help from what I can see yeah. anyway. Um, or yeah. they're, they're kind of less forthcoming with their with kind of preaching that they're helping us. Um, mm. So it's a tough one again um, and it's not just the PFA, the FA. Football clubs as well, I think they can do a lot more. Um, they seem to be kind of more switched on nowadays in terms of kind of player welfare and off the field things and whatever else. But I still think more can be done. Um, but obviously, so going back to obviously what you were saying, so you, you, had, you had a lot a long career playing football and obviously we'll touch on that a bit later on. So obviously during that period, alongside with your natural kind of uh, innate psyche skills, um, what transferable skills did you take from football um, to aid your experience to obviously help you into management and also obviously being an electrician? Um, well, for me personally, I've, I've always has been. I think you can back me up on this. I'm, I'm, I'm a team player. Um, I'd always sort of help, help my teammates out and sort of for, for, for the greater good, basically. So um, that is a transferable skill that I think I've taken into my job now. So I'm not one of these that, would like say for instance um if we're packing up tools and it's time to go home it's like i just don't pack my tools up and just wait by the van 
yeah. I'll go back and I'll do everything else and muck around. So, mm. but like I would do on a, on a football field, if if you're getting smashed up in the air by some right back, I'm going to go over there and smash him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm one of these. I, I, I'll have people's backs and I sort of, um, yeah, sort of just, just muck in. Um, I was sort of quite shy, I think. I think at Liverpool I was a little bit shy um, coming out of it, uh, going to Chelsea then sort of coming up my shell gradually. But I think more so now, um, I think I've got a lot of people to say I was one of the loudest players on the, on the, on the pitch sort of towards the end of my career. Um, mm. So I had a voice, um, I had an opinion. Um, and I, I think I've, I've grown into that. I've become more mature. Mm. Um, my missus won't agree with that, but um, <laughs> uh, I, I think I have. And um, yeah, so it's the little things that you pick up from football that you can transfer into everyday life and sort of um, take that with you and sort that was that 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 basically yeah yeah that's true that is um i mean i kind of i agree with everything you've mentioned there um so i mean in terms of retirement again so we obviously grew up in the same kind of era um and i don't know kind of how you felt when you were kind of uh kind of playing and, and going through the youth system and whatever else but like for me, retirement and the whole kind of element of retirement and whatever else was always seen as a bit of a negative. So whether it be someone retiring through injury or just coming to the end of their career naturally or just falling out of love of the game, it was always seen as a bit of a negative. And I think that, that side of it may have hindered some players kind of transition away from football, uh, either because they didn't want to speak about it or they just wanted to just play football for as long as possible just because they were scared of making that transition outside of the football bubble, so to speak, because of fear of what people may think. So, for example, prime yeah. example is you now. So you play football and then now you're an electrician. Now, I'm not saying this has happened, um, but this is just a, a random example of, say, someone who's external who may not know you or even did know you and they're like, oh, you used to play football for Chelsea, now you're an, an electrician. And that they may see it as a negative, whereas I see it as a massive positive. Um, yeah. So, I know what you mean. Yeah, so as a player, like, when we were growing up, kind of, this is going back to kind of early 90s, um, sorry, late 90s, uh, early 2000s. And again, it was always, not always, but nine times out of ten, it was a negative conversation. Someone would ask you kind of, okay, well, like, what are you going to do when you stop playing? It was always someone who may have been jealous of the fact that they didn't make it or whatever. Yeah. Or teammates just not wanting to talk about it. So do you think, like, retirement needs to be approach in a different way yeah I, I think every point you just made there is is spot on Dan it is um I wouldn't say it's a frown upon and people are scared of it but they have moments where people they they don't want you to fail but they they, they always put that sort of fear in sort of like, what, what are you going to do when you retire because they probably think well he's not made enough money he hasn't been at Chelsea that much to have this much money um mm -hmm. so what's he going to do he's going to be working where, where I am now or something along those lines so um and like I said, it's also from, from my point of view, it's all I've done. And I just love being in the football environment. I love, obviously, the camaraderie with the boys and obviously being, be, be, being with them sort of week in, week out. Um, yeah. And it's scary. It's getting to the point where you think, oh, I'm not going to have that no more. But then sooner or later, you've got to think that there are other things in life. There's obviously raising a family. It's obviously being with um, your partner and everything. Um, and, yeah, I, I, just, I just feel that... Um, it's a big word, retirement, and I, 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 I do agree. I don't think there's enough help with what happens after that, if you, if, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and again, you kind of touched on a lot of things there that I've spoke to a lot of different people about, and they have the same kind of uh, train of thought as you. Uh, for me, like, I don't miss it, and I'd probably say the reason I don't miss it is maybe one, one of two things, or, or, or two of two. So... When I was kind of 23, 24, I always thought, okay, well, if I don't earn enough, then I'm going to have to work. So when I say work, that could be anything. So electrician, plumber, whatever. I, I was willing yeah. to do that. Um, and I always saw that as a bit of a challenge anyway. Um, and I kind of, I was excited by the fact of, okay, well, I wanted to obviously make it to the highest level and sustain that. Um, and I tried my hardest to do that. But again, you know, sometimes these things work, sometimes they don't for whatever reason. Um, and if you look at some people, especially like some of the ones that were in our year group at Lelouchal and the year above, some of them didn't even get past the youth team and stuff. So, and there, and some of them were like, 
kind of really, really good at that age. So people develop at different stages. But for me, like I always saw it as a bit of a, maybe a challenge. Okay. So I can then say, well, I've been a footballer and I've kind of succeeded to a point doing that. But now I want to try myself at, at something else completely different. I never wanted to be a coach. Don't think I love the grass enough from that perspective to then just go and be a coach or a manager. So I wanted to do something completely left field. Um, so I always saw that as like, okay, well, how can I kind of challenge myself and maybe find another career? And I always, growing up, probably the same as you and maybe kind of everyone else as well, like you've got friends who, when they left school, they're now kind of electricians or plumbers or, I don't know, in the building trade or whatever. So I always knew that yeah. I could on those people and say, look, can I come in and kind of see what's going on, how, how you work on a daily basis? So I was always willing to do that. I never had to do it, but I was willing mm. to do it. Um, so for me, I don't miss playing at all. I don't know, I don't know how you feel. Like, do you miss playing at all? Or um, yes and no to to some degree. Um, not 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 now because obviously. It's an agony. Um, I asked that a few years ago. Then, yeah, because there, there was no issues, and I, I was I was loving playing. Um, mm. As I said, I, I just love being around in the, in the dressing room, being involved in the banter, flying, and everything like that. Um, which, which, as I said, which has been a big part of my life growing up. Um, and mm. I think that's where we, we, me, me and you might differ. Where I didn't see myself as a coach because, um, as you um, said earlier, there, there there is a point where you get your coaching badge, but then is there a guaranteed job after it? Um, afterwards, and mm. I, I think that's a great point because. As I said, I've got my UA for bit, um, I've got my level two, which is the basics. Then after that, I can do the kids' coaching and obviously just take it where, where, wherever I wanted, basically, doing my own, own stuff, which, to be fair, something like that has never uh, appealed to me, doing like one-on-one well, one, one -on -one coaching or one-to-one -one, um, training. Mm. Um, I don't know why, but then that's the whole point of being a coach, basically. In a, in a team environment where I can pull one of my players aside and sort of say, look, this is what I think you can do better, mm. then that's where I, I, I find myself better at sort of coaching and sort of developing yeah. people. Um, I've been in that said previously. For that to happen is, well, there's, there's not many jobs about there. There, there probably is, but I think you need to be lucky. You need to have your foot in foot in the door somewhere, and um, obviously you know someone. As we know, mm. I don't know if you agree with me, but there's a lot of luck to be had in football. Um, being in the right place at the right time, and sort of a lot of luck involved. Um, yeah. um, and that that that's that's not and hard work. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just um, with, with with the coaching, um, it is if there'll be another job at the end of the day of it. Um, mm. And if if that did arise for me, then I'll jump at the chance. But in the well, as I said, to you need to put food on the table so the bread and butter is sort of having a good job so yeah yeah 100 percent um again so i'm just going to move on to kind of your career now i think i lost the connection but yeah um i was just going to say so just moving on to your career so obviously we first met um, at Lillyshaw, um, so when we were 14 and we were there for two years and then we started our apprentice and went kind of our separate ways. I think we met up maybe once or twice um, on a social yeah. level uh, afterwards, a couple of years after, but how did you find like your, your time at Lillyshaw? Obviously, so my daughter's 12 now, my oldest, and um, if you think about it, so two years from, from now, she would be then leaving home and like at, at that age, when we were, or when I was 14, I was just thinking, well, Okay, I'm happy. Like, oh, I've always been kind of independent from that perspective. So yeah. you don't realise how young you are, uh, like, kind of physically and mentally at 14. Um, mm. So how did you find kind of leaving home, kind of leaving, like, Essex, where you're kind of born and bred, to then go to Shropshire, which is kind of, I'd probably say, not the other side of the country, but far enough away. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a fair, it's a fair distance. Um, yeah. But as, as I said in our chat, I, I absolutely love Lady Shaw. Um, I would say I was quite surprised that I got into the final 16, stroke 17. Um, mm. But that's not putting me down. So on the day, I've I've done well. So it's just one of those things. Um, but for me, moving away, obviously moving away from your parents and your family and your friends is 
it's always going to be difficult, but um, I ain't going to lie. I think the first couple of weeks, the first maybe sort of couple of months maybe was hard, obviously just being in, being in an envir environment what you're not used to. You sort of come across it, um, you're used to waking up, you've got your mum and your dad there, brothers, um, and now you wake up and you've got some strange bloke next to you, <laughs> which <laughs> you haven't seen. But, um, but then I think once, once all that nerve settling, because I... I, I think everyone would be lying if they, if, if they didn't say they weren't homesick in the first sort of couple of months or couple of weeks because mm. it's a natural thing, isn't it, mate? It's like, well, you are going to miss home. It, it is, it is going to be difficult. Um, but I think because we're all in the same boat, um, hopefully we all, we all did get on. I hope it wasn't, but I think we all, obviously there's times where there was clashes, but um, we're all in the, same, in, in the same position where we had to sort of get get each other through really um and obviously the the first room i had obviously with kev nico wito uh Wheatie and me and alan smith it was obviously um yeah. and he was the one that um unfortunately couldn't couldn't, couldn't hack it basically so um yeah he, he, he had to go home but he didn't do too bad afterwards anyway did he <laughs> Mate, he was, was flying and to be fair it, it was weird because obviously i don't know if you remember but before so before the, I think it was, I don't know, the last three or four trials, you had to put down, or maybe right at the start, you had to put down your first preferred position and then your, your second one. And Alan Smith, like, so he was a striker and then, like, randomly a right back as well. Um, and I remember in training sometimes, it like, just go around smashing people and that. It was weird because he was a really good player. Um, yeah. We, we were the small ones. So me, you, Alan Smith, Mickey Lyons. Um, Mickey, yeah. yeah, and as you mentioned there, so he ended up leaving Alan Smith because he was homesick, and he left as like a small, small kid. And then I don't remember his we, uh, blonde curtains. Yeah, blonde curtains and that, and uh, yeah. banging on about Leeds United and whatever. But um, <laughs> yeah, so he left as like a small child, yeah. And then I don't know if you remember, we were recording that uh, World at Their Feet documentary yeah. before, and when that aired, we then saw Alan Smith and like. He was just, he wasn't massive, but you could see he'd grown, like, and we were like, what is going on? It was just strange. Exactly, exactly. Crazy. And then, obviously, when we left, he kicked on and got into the Leeds first team and played for Man United yeah. in England and that, and he had a really successful career. But, again, it was it was great times. And yeah, he did. Yeah. Again, you look back, and it was like a team environment, great coaching. I'd probably say Keith Blunt, who's obviously sadly passed away. Yeah. Probably still to this day one of my best coaches, because... He not only taught you about the game, but he taught you about kind of, it wasn't just about you. So if you remember, we obviously we used to just beat everyone, whether it be Man United, Liverpool, we'd beat everyone. But the way we beat them, it was so professional. Like no one swore or anything just because you weren't allowed. And I remember, I don't know if you remember, we played Rangers. And I think we beat them 3-1 yeah. like or something. And they were just swearing for fun. And like, I remember like Keith Blunt was just, he weren't happy. And we were just like taken aback because, We'd never played anyone that was like readily swearing. We were only like exactly. 15. Uh, and they were like men and they were just swearing and whatever. But like I said, we it was a more of a passing game. Like we had skillful players and whatever and whatever else. Everyone had their own kind of attributes. But it was always kind of pass and move. Um, and obviously what you do off the ball for the team and stuff like that. And we were training every day. So by, by nature, we were miles ahead of kind of everyone else in the country, essentially. Um, yeah, where things change, people develop in different ways, uh, mentally and physically. You leave at 16, and in terms of 16, that's kind of no age really. And then your career goes from there. So you, you've left Lillyshaw and you've gone on to Chelsea. And if I remember rightly, so you started at Colchester and then Chelsea signed you, and then obviously you, you've gone there. Yeah. Um, so how how was that? Because obviously, so you left Lillyshaw and then spent a few weeks at home during the summer holidays and then you're starting again kind of at a new club with new surroundings. To, to be fair, I, I don't know if you know much about this, it was quite a weird one because obviously, obviously going, going to um, the local school, Idsall, <laughs> in Shifnal, um, good times there, but um, obviously the, there was the likes of, obviously you had um, the Arsenal boys there, you had the, the main United boys, Everton, obviously Franny and the, the, the bigger, the so-called bigger clubs. Um, yeah. So whenever I was, well, who do you play for? I was like, Colts United. And he was like, who? Like that. <laughs> so it's also sort of like... Yeah. So then, obviously, being in that position where I was obviously selected to go to the national school, is is well, it still is a massive thing that we've that, that we achieved, basically, mate. Um, mm. 
And then coming away from that, I, was, I sort of had a sat down with my mum and my dad and I was like, well, not, not that culture wasn't good enough for me, but I just sort of, do you know what, maybe push myself a bit. Um, so then there was that sort of thing where you start at the Co United end and sort of work your way up maybe and sort of maybe being the first team quicker than yeah. so-called Chelsea. Or you start there and you, you, you give it a go and you learn. And So I was in a decision whether what, what to do. So I sent my CVs out. But by that time, pretty much so I was a bit back and I'm thinking, oh, I'm at the Colchester and just just play there. But um, Chelsea's um, come back and said, yeah, come 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 down for a session, come down and play a game. Um, and I went on a Saturday, um, went to the training ground at Hardington. Um, can't remember who he played, but I've done pretty much nothing all game. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I remember the last sort of couple of minutes, I think it was one all. Um, and I've got to the right in the corner, I've done a Croy for Sammy, and I've, the bloke's gone that way, I've gone that way, dinked it back post, um, and we got the winner. And then yeah. from that, I signed on the, um, on, on the Monday. Um, wow. And then, yeah, the, the, the rest is history. They had to sort something out with Coach United, obviously, I don't know what went on, but they sorted that out. And then, um, yeah, I signed there on the Monday. and. I had, a, I had a good start to my career there, Chelsea. Mm. Yeah, well, so it happened a bit quicker than I expected. <laughs> it's a tough one, ain't it? Because, like you said, kind of at the start, where you can kind of start at the lower end of football and then if you do really well and someone notices you, you can kind of work your way up the pyramid. But then it's not always that easy because sometimes it's down to the environment and training. And then even then, yeah. so if it doesn't work at, say, the lower end, then you end up going down. So it, it just depends. It's a tough one. Then you can go to, say, Chelsea or whatever, one of the big clubs or one of the bigger clubs, and then it may not work out there or it may work out. It, it, it's a hit and yeah. miss. It's a tough one. Um, I mean, I, think, if I, was... I, 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 I don't know if you agree, but I think it's, it's a lot easier now. So I think clubs pay more attention to the lower levels now because yeah. the Vardys have sort of set a, set a president really and think, Do you know what, he's banged in goals and he's doing it in the prem. So I think back then it's probably the not, who, who knows what what decision and be right or wrong. But mm. for me personally, I thought it was the or the right decision to go to Chelsea rather than yeah. do that. Like like you said. You start there, you might fizzle out and just go straight down or you sort of come down the ladder a bit. I don't know, but yeah. that's the way I went. Yeah, true. And at the same time, back in those days, you're looking at, what, 1999. So the football yeah. in the lower leagues then, so even like Colchester and teams like that, the football would have been a lot different to what it is now. If you look yes. at Colchester now, they pass and move and whatever else. Yeah. And as, as you mentioned, like the, the higher echelons of football are more aware of the players at the lower leagues. They're more inclined yeah. to go and watch them and, and and take a punt on them, if that makes sense. Exactly, so, yeah. It wasn't really happening like that. And if it was, you had to be someone who was a big physical player. If you bear in mind, yeah. I remember making my debut at Bournemouth and Bournemouth were a passing team. And this is back in 2004. And even then, so we played, obviously, what, Division 1 at the time, uh, Division 2. And even then, like the, some of the standards of the teams that we were playing against and the pitches were just big, physical, um, yeah. and just kick and run. So it was a different mindset then, completely different kind of uh, outlook on how they played. So now it's like a, a, a lot more, I wouldn't say easier, but the, the passages or the avenues are a lot easier or uh, the opportunities are more prevalent for players to make it at those lower levels earlier on in their career and then obviously kick on from there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean... How long were you at Bournemouth, Dan? I was there for two years. So, I joined back end of uh, their relegation season in 2004. So, when I joined, there was like, I don't know, 10, 15 games left. And they were struggling in a relegation battle. Um, and then we ended up getting relegated and then uh, relegated into Division 2 at the time. So, it would have been League 2 now. Yeah, got promoted through the playoffs, um, kind of um, following season. Um, so yeah, so I was there from like '04 to '06. Um, so yeah, good times for me. Um, I left Leicester 
um, and then went straight there. And um, yeah, a, a tough one again. Like I, I seen it as a step up. Um, so what I mean by that is I left Leicester having made my debut in the Premier League with the Martin O'Neill at 18, and then just playing kind of reserve team football after that through different circumstances, injury and whatever else. Mm. Um, and then I went there knowing that they were a passing team and kind of they were on the up essentially. Um, so Eddie Howe was my captain, Jason Timbers is now the manager, he was in the team as well. So yeah, really good club. And when I went there, a lot of the players were kind of similar age group. We had quite a young team kind of ranging from about, say, 27, 28 down to like, say, 18, 19. Um, so a lot of the stuff that are there now were like my teammates, but they had already played like loads of games in the league, albeit at yeah. a level. So they're already like well equipped to play from a physical point of view and also like uh, game understanding and stuff. So when I yeah. went there, it was a massive step up in terms of training, game understanding, playing in the actual games and stuff. Our, our manager at the time was Sean O'Driscoll. So he's like a student of the game where, oh yeah, he's very studious. Like he, he analyzes the game to a point where wants you to be involved in that side of the game as well so yeah very much not just going and playing and you know your job it was kind of you're making this run why are you making it you're passing it this it's way. a lot it's more it's a lot more in depth yeah so it's really really good probably i hope he's still in the game because he's a he's a really good manager i thought anyway um and he was probably, yeah. he told me at that point and as you know when you're young you kind of you're not you don't think you know it but it's like how how do you receive constructive criticism? So for me, he he was the first manager to tell me, probably the only one to tell me that I need to be more consistent. And when he told me, it was a period of the time where I was in the team and I was playing quite well. So I didn't see it as kind of well. I, was, I, I kind of thought, why is he saying it? And yeah. Basically, what he was saying is the reason why you've kind of probably left Leicester and come here, and then you're kind of in and out of the team here initially, is because you play good one week. And then the following week you play average and then you play well and get man in the match the next week. And then two games you play poorly. So for me, kind of that advice was really good at the time. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Then obviously, so you've gone to Chelsea and then you've left there and then you've kind of filled down the leagues. So how did you find it when you left Chelsea? Obviously going from that environment uh, and that standard to then playing at kind of other clubs. Um, yeah, it's difficult. I ain't going to lie. Um, obviously, it's... I'd, uh, first of all, uh, Rude Hullick was the first manager, then Viali, and then the last one was um, Ranieri, the Tinkerman. And mm. Personally, I thought I was playing my best football when the first two managers were there. So coming into the last sort of year of my contract, um, I actually got on, he put me on the bench three times, uh, Ranieri, Man City at home, Stamford Bridge. Mm. Um, I always remember this because, as I said uh, previously, football's lots about luck and being in the right place at the right time. Um, and we were tuning up at a bridge. Me and John Harley were warming up, um, and I'm, he, he was going to put me on. And then bloody Sean Wright Phillips goes and scores for Man City, um, and then he's like, "Oh, whoa, 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 whoa!" So obviously, <laughs> it's a valuable sort of points on the card. So obviously, two-one changes the sort of um, the look of the game. So I think he went and put on Winston Bogo instead of me. Um, so and then that it's a bit of a kick in the teeth, but still, it's a great experience being involved. Um, yeah. And then Sunderland, the way I was involved, I didn't get on. And then um, I travelled away when... Do you remember when all the first-team players didn't want to go to Hapil Tel Aviv? Yeah, I remember. It's about six, yeah, six first-team players. Leon Knight and everyone went, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, they basically said, look, John, I was like, yeah, I'm going. Get me on that plane. I want to play, <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and again, it's a great, great experience. Never happened. And then it's just weird that we're coming back. They just sort of pulled me in the room. Again, I think things could have been done differently. Um, but then, yeah, your contract's not going to be renewed. And that was it, wow. <laughs> basically, sort of sort of thing. Um, so then I sort of got told that, I think, just after Christmas. Mm. So by then, you sort of, you're panicking. What am I going to do next? Football's all I know. Like like we said earlier, what what's, what's going to happen? So um, ended up sort of going on trials at places, trials at teams. Um, and I think it was a time when ITV Digital, there was a big fallout with that. Yeah. And they lost all the sponsorship money. Mm. Some clubs, uh, I think clubs making excuses and things like that. I know how it works. I think some clubs budgeted for um, maybe having that sponsorship money to, 
to add to squads and that. But um, yeah. I got told on numerous occasions that was the reason why. Um, again, whether it's just just to say see you later or it was true, who knows? Um, and then I lost my way a bit. I ain't gonna lie, Dan. I lost my way. I was sort of I was still on the on the getting paid from Chelsea, but I just thought done what to do now. I'm going to clubs. They're telling me this. They're telling me that. I'm doing well. And you sort of date yourself, don't you? You sort of think, yeah. what's what what am I doing wrong? What what's what's going on? I, I don't know. I was there at one stage on the bench and then all of a sudden on a park yeah. bench. It's sort yeah. of it's sort of um it's hard it, it, it was hard to take. Um mm. and I just feel out of love of it really. And mm. my old youth team um teammate, Paul Nichols, a goalkeeper, he um he was playing for Chelmsford, which is twenty minutes up the road from from um Colchester. Mm. And he said, I'll come over and play, play over Chelmsford. Um, decent level, uh, non-league. And it was actually Paul Parker, the old England right-back. Yeah. He was, um, he was the manager because he lived in Chelmsford. Um, so I went down there and I got back involved straight away. Right. And then from then, I sort of gradually worked my way back up. Um, as I said, went to Welling, um, done well there. And then I actually went on trial at Leighton Orient because of how well I was doing at this, this level. Yeah. Nothing come of that, even though I was there for two weeks. It's sort of like, well, you need to make a decision and nothing sort of materialised. Um, mm. Then end up going to um, Gravesend, which is now Ebbsfleet. Mm. Um, played five five good years in the conference there um, and really enjoyed it, basically. So it was back to full-time football then. Um, so that's, that's, as I said, was a big plus, a big bonus for me. Um, mm. And then gradually sort of come back down. So I've gone up down up and I'm sort of fizzing my way out now yeah it's a tough one and I, I think that's kind of the side of it's a side of football that people don't really see and even to this day I was saying to my wife uh, earlier on in the week I was watching something on on TV and there was someone uh, like a bit of a talk show and someone was talking about kind of footballers and I hate the way they just generically use kind of footballers as an example and they just throw it out there um, this woman's opening line was um, kind of, I don't understand why these overpaid footballers think that they can bend the rules for COVID. And then she went on to kind of talk about whatever, whatever. And I was just like, hold on a minute. So you, you, you're saying overpaid footballers, like all footballers are earning like 100 grand a week. Like there's different levels, just like in any industry. You, you go to a top yeah. agent, a state agent in Mayfair, their commission and whatever else and the properties they're selling, they're going to be completely different to a state agent in Huddersfield. And that's no disrespect to Huddersfield. So no, exactly. Yeah, it annoys me even to this day. Even though I'm not involved in the game by any means, when people just come out and talk about overpaid footballers or just footballers in general, and they just don't know what they're talking about, because mm. the average, she was basically talking about how players are still celebrating, um, kind of when they score a goal, and obviously she doesn't really know about kind of how the football dynamics work. And I'm not saying that football should should be playing at the moment. Me personally, if someone said, should they still play at the moment? I'd say no, just because circumstances, I know how it works in football, dressing rooms are tight and whatever else. When yeah, you score, yeah. I, I said like I said to my wife the other day, when you score, especially if it's like a last minute winner or whatever, you get like an out of body experience for like three or four seconds where you just go yeah. mad and you just hug everyone or whatever. So to then take that away from the game now for a period of time because of COVID, will be very difficult, hence why you see players still celebrating now. Um, yeah. But for me, again, so even if you're playing lower league football, that emotion is still there. When you score a goal, you still want to celebrate. So she's then saying all oh, footballers are overpaid and whatever else. It's like they're not at all. She just clearly hasn't mm. done her homework. Um, no, exactly. Really annoying. But again, to touch on what you were saying, like um, it's the side of football what people don't necessarily see so you're at a club and then they just don't want you because you're an asset essentially all players are an asset it's a business footballers so when they yeah. don't want you they just say they don't want you and they do all they can to get you out the door um so again it, it's hard to deal with um and you mentioned there so you go from say chelsea and you filter down the leagues and you're going on trial and it's like you're good enough to be there but then yeah. They haven't got the finances to sign you or they may have, but they're just giving you excuses. And it's like, you start doubting yourself. Um, yeah. I've been there myself where you go on trial and you know you're there, you're doing well. Players are asking you when you sign in or whatever. Um, and then they, the, the club after three or four weeks say, well, they don't want you. 
and it's like three or four weeks that you've wasted driving in, wasting your own petrol money and whatever, and they're not paying you. And it's like, where do you go next? And the more you go on trial, kind of the more the club that you're at trialing at, they're aware that you've been at yeah. five or six clubs. So straight away, they know that you're kind of, your stock value is not very high because they know that you're desperate to sign. So they give you peanuts. They'll say, yeah, okay, well, we'll sign you, but it's kind of yeah. uh, a non-contract basis or pay you pay. It's it. like, I've got to take it because I've got nothing else. It's just like yeah. selling yourself short. Um, exactly. It's really, really annoying. Um, but yeah, so just to come to an end, because um, we've kind of covered everything with regards to kind of, uh, whether you think more help's needed and whatever, but I, I tend to ask people like, if there's any advice that you would give to young players, older players, or whatever, what what would you say to kind of any players when it comes to kind of approaching retirement? Um, I think I'm 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 not great at it. Is is well, I'm I'm good at talking on the pitch because that that's what I'm good at. But behind closed doors, I I, I think I I hold things back and I don't sort of express. My, my, my feelings because there has been times obviously coming out of the game is gets you down I ain't gonna lie it's, it's like it's, it's, it's all it's, it's always known it's all you want to do so as a, as a young man to be a footballer great opportunity and I don't express myself so for me personally I'll say um, don't hold anything back to, to any young kids coming through if you're struggling you need to talk and want advice go and seek it because um, I think if I had that advice and sort of someone to give help help me or try and point me in the right direction and like you said if you do this this might lead you to this or that then I think I would have done things a lot quicker and a lot earlier in my life but still would have played football but as we said all I knew back then was football and I wasn't even thinking about plan B or whatever so mm. it was literally right I'm in non-league I'm picking up okay money it's not going to pay everything but I'm still picking up this mm. No one sort of told me, yeah, what, what about if you've got a job or done this and done that? I literally was just focused football, football, mm. and then worry about that later. Um, mm. So for me, advice would be speak to people um, to sort of get, get, get advice and help and, and look, look at the bigger picture at the end of the day. Football is going to be good um, for a certain uh, period of your, of your life. Of, um, but the bigger picture is you've got to see beyond that and what you're going to do afterwards and here we go and right, I want this now and what, whatever. So um, advice would be to, to look ahead and to uh, speak out and speak to people for, for help. Definitely, mate. I agree with everything you mentioned there. Uh, once again, obviously appreciate you coming on. Uh, we're going to have to catch up at some point. Uh, we need to get this kind of uh, WhatsApp group going again. Uh, obviously, Tough times at the minute for everyone, really. Just got to stay positive, as we mentioned, kind of off air when we had a brief chat. Uh, but yeah, really appreciate coming on. Keep in touch. Just let everyone know, kind of, again, uh, what you're doing now, the company you're working for, and obviously where we can find you on social media. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm now an electrician for RA Lock. I don't think they're on Instagram or anything, but um, if you want to keep a, a tab on um, our football team, is Stanway Rovers at Stanway Rovers, um, and hopefully I'll, I'll still be in a job after lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm sure you will be. Um, yeah, keep up the good work. Like I said, keep in touch um, going forward, um, and good luck with everything you do. Um, and thanks for coming on. Cheers, Dan. Great to speak to you, mate. Nice one, mate. Speak soon. Take care. See you later. Yeah.